You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast, loaded up. We've got an Alabama commitment, a Mississippi State commitment. We'll go around the country to take a look at a quarterback for Oklahoma. They've done pretty well with quarterbacks lately. A recruiting report as well, a scouting spotlight, and we'll dip into the mailbag. So, a lot to get to, and I tell you, though, you've got to check out Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. That's Locked On promo code for $25 off. And they have a Father's Day special. Enjoy a free set, a bottle opener, collar stays. Uh, they are fantastic. These shirts won't wrinkle. Uh, they're cool. You won't sweat. Uh, not itchy at all. They're the best fabric. And, man, you can stock up your closet as simple as restocking beer in your fridge. It's just that easy. Because if you bundle together four shirts, there's affordable as $55 a piece. Free shipping and returns. Try on some twills risk-free. Twillery.com. Use the locked on promo code. Okay, let's get to it. The best defensive back groups in the SEC. What do you think about the secondaries around the conference? Well, I think that um, as I tend to, to look at it, uh, I think there are four SEC secondaries that would make my top um, eight in the country. I think half of the, the, the top eight secondaries in the country come from the SEC. I think the top three secondaries, talent-wise, um, all come from the SEC in the country. So I think it's a really good group. Um, we've seen Washington's had a – University of Washington's had a great secondary the past couple of years. They've lost a number of guys. They'll always be good, particularly with Jimmy Lake coaching them and Chris Peterson, how they teach it. But i got to tell you, it, it starts for me with LSU. Uh, I think perhaps the best secondary in the country. Um, Grant Delpit is an elite talent. I think he's one of the best players in all of college football. I think he's a superstar. I think he can do everything, coverage, play near the line of scrimmage, blitz off the edge. He can do a lot of things. He's just a big-time playmaker. I think Christian Fulton is a is a really outstanding talent. Uh, Jacoby Stevens is returning at free safety. Derek Stingley, who's going to you know just really open everybody's eyes, Derek Stingley Jr., is uh, a true freshman who's, I think, going to start at corner. And they've got depth. So – Listen, I think it's an absolutely an elite secondary as LSU often has. Not far behind it, if behind it at all, is Alabama. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, Patrick Sertan, um, their shutdown guys, Xavier McKinney, McKinney is outstanding. Shaheem Carter, Jared Maiden, um, they do a really good job. Uh, so, we'll, you know, I think I think just elite talent and. Certainly, the way they teach techniques, outstanding. I think Florida's secondary is outstanding. C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson are elite corners. Um, you know, Brad Stewart is a tremendous athlete that is great playing the ball in the air. Um, so I, I think those really jump out at me as the best in the SEC. I, I think I'd probably put a couple of other secondaries um, 
I think Utah's pretty good. I think Notre Dame's pretty good. I think Ohio State's pretty good. I think Cal's actually pretty good. I think Michigan's pretty good. Um, but I would probably put Auburn just slightly below the LSU, Alabama, Florida ones. But, but like I said, maybe top six, Dave. Definitely top seven or eight. Um, they've got really good safeties. And Jeremiah Denson and Daniel Thomas are very, very good. I like what Kevin Steele does with his coverages. Um, they've got a really good corner and Noah and uh, Javaris Davis, uh, Christian Tut, I think is really good as a nickel. So, I, I mean, I think there are four elite secondaries in the SEC. Uh, oh, by the way, Georgia is not bad. I think they would kind of bring out uh, the next level. I think uh, A&M and Mississippi State. Uh, would kind of come in that next year. Then I think we're at Missouri in South Carolina, and I could go either way. They're maybe um, tied for eight, or, you know, there. Then I think we're looking at Vanderbilt. I think we're looking at Tennessee, then Kentucky, who's lost a little bit. And then I think we're, we're looking at Arkansas and Ole Miss in terms of secondaries. Um, you know, having athletes that can run, that can cover, that can tackle – that are playmakers with the ball in their hands. Um, that's what, you know, SEC football has been about for a long time. And it's what it's going to be about again. And that's kind of how I see it, just elite secondary group. And that, I think that's what, quite frankly, separates the people ask me, all right, why is the SEC talent-wise? Why, you know, what, why are they better? Well, we know they're better because the corridor of talent from Texas, you know, all the way – through and up to say Carolina, the Carolina, it, it's just, there's just the preponderance of talent, but specifically, okay, what makes the league better? They have more depth of athletes on the defensive side of the ball, particularly on the defensive line. They can put more guys out there. And then when you have the great elite cover guys that can make plays it's very, very difficult. And to me, that's what separates the SEC from other leagues. Not the secondary, but the overall speed up front defensively combined with the secondary. So that's kind of how I see it. I don't think we're going to see a lot of changes during the year. Uh, I always say this list will look different as we work through all the positions in October and November. Uh, because there are going to be injuries. There's going to be young players that develop that are a little bit better than they are right now, more proven than they are right now, and there'll be other guys that will regress because you never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. But I can tell you that I am very confident in saying that by year's end, LSU, Alabama, and Florida, and Auburn will all have really good secondaries. The only thing would be, can Georgia get to that point where you know maybe they're in that range could A&M start to get into that range where they may be in the top 10, 12 secondaries in the country? George is just on the outside end replacing a lot of guys, but that's how I see it now. Yep. He is a Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. That's the type of breakdown you get uh, every day at LandryFootball.com. We've also got some news and notes. Alabama with a verbal commitment from three-star 2020 I tackled Damian George, six foot six, three hundred and forty-eight pounds. That's a big kid. Yeah, from so Houston. Um, <laughs> listen, he's a big-time physical run blocker, and you know, again, he's he's one of these guys that you know people have labeled him as three stars. 
Well, it's because maybe the profile and it's one of the things about when you rank players um, just generically, that's not how you evaluate players. It's how a guy fits. So it kind of brings into the point of um, what, what they're looking for at Alabama and the emphasis on bigger offensive linemen. First of all, George is a teammate of Zach Evans, who's, uh, you know, we've talked about him. He's maybe the best running back. If not, he's maybe the best player in the country, if not the best one. So keep that in mind. He's a good friend. He's a teammate. There's something to it. But this guy is a really dominant run blocker. And what I have seen out of Alabama, and one of the things that you hear Nick Saban talk a little bit about, and he's cryptic in his messages. And if you play, pay close attention, you can learn stuff. And I guess because I know him, I know when he says stuff, I kind of know what he means. Um, they weren't physical enough uh, last year. Uh, you know, they dominated a lot of people, but they got handled by Clemson, and they got a little bit too finesse. And when you become a RPO, uh, more involved RPO type team, and you are involved in pass blocking and you know pass sets, you don't come off the ball with the nastiness that you typically see out of Alabama, that's going to change. It's going to change this year. That attitudinal change is in the process of being worked on, and I think it's affecting it in recruiting, which, again, is why this guy may be, quote-unquote, a three-star. This guy's a five-star run blocker, and I think may end up being an interior guy. You know, he's listed as a tackle. I think he can be a right tackle, Dave. I think he may be a better guard. That'll be determined for another day and time. Well, and I want to get to that uh, that finesse versus power also in the mailbag a little bit later. But first, Mississippi State with uh, another commitment. So uh, what kind of get did the Bulldogs get? Well, uh, it's great. I like that. The 2020 uh, commitment uh, from the linebacker, Jacavian Brown, really good get for them. Good-looking kid, 6'3", 225, can run. He's from Horn Lake, Mississippi. Um you know, Ole Miss was very interested. Auburn, LSU was very, was very interested. Baylor was in on him, too. Um, he's the 15th commitment for uh, Mississippi State. Second linebacker, of course, they've got the uh, Memphis Whitehaven uh, standout to Marion McDonald. Um, but, you know, it really, really came down to the two in-state schools in LSU. But uh, on Wednesday, uh, he announced that he's going to Mississippi State. So a good get for Joe Moorhead and his staff. Guy that can really run. Um Guy that's a good-looking kid got some uh, growth room as well, so there's the potential for him to do some things in nickel as a rusher. We will go around the country, take a look at a Oklahoma quarterback prospect, also a recruiting report as Eric Gilbert is a player that a lot of big-time schools want, including Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Tennessee. A scouting spotlight, and we get to that mailbag. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. He is Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. Don't forget to go to Twillery. Twillery has got it all when it comes to shirts. You can restock your wardrobe just like your 
restocking your fridge with beer. It's that simple. And use the Locked On promo code to get $25 off. You bundle four shirts together. They're as affordable as $55 a piece. And these are nice, high-quality shirts uh, that they even have the untuckable uh, new style that has become so popular. So go to Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code, and it's free shipping, free returns, so you're totally taken care of. Just to try it out, why wouldn't you do it? Around the country, uh, Oklahoma looking at a four-star quarterback in Brock Vandegrift. He's going to take an unofficial visit to check out the Sooners. Yeah, he's a uh, he's really good quarterback, and there's a lot of SEC schools that are interested in him. Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. He's a Georgia kid from Bogart, Georgia. He's uh, really one of the more impressive quarterbacks in the 2021 class. want to make that distinction. We kind of, <laughs> we get them, you know, I don't want to get them confused there for the folks out there, but Brock Vandergriff is really talented. Um, he, he really's got good dual threat capabilities. Um, and, you know, obviously Oklahoma's had really good success with, quarterbacks recently it's been a lot of transfers but they also have a really good one in Spencer Rattler that's come in from Arizona so you kind of look at it he's a true freshman Spencer Rattler is uh he'll be a sophomore but by the time this kid comes in he's a junior so I can see where they're going with it um he's going to visit Oklahoma this weekend there's no uh emphasis on a lean I still think we need to watch out for Auburn and Georgia Clemson, of course, is very interested as well. Um, but let's kind of, I, I think Tennessee, Florida is an outside possibility. Uh, listen, I, the, 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 there's a trend here. Um, outside of, um, of Oklahoma, everybody's kind of in that corridor where he's from. He's from Georgia. So, you know, it's close to Clemson, close to Auburn, close to Georgia. Um, you know, very familiar with Florida, Tennessee. Still think that's where he may go, but Oklahoma is outside the footprint of where he's looking and where he's from. But obviously, the success of having you know, you know, Heisman Trophy candidates every year at quarterback um, has lured his interest. So we'll see where he goes. Uh, I know it's a little bit off ways off, but remember that name, Brock Vandergriff, uh, really good looking quarterback from Bogart, Georgia, class of 2021. And then a recruiting report of the player that we've we've heard a lot about uh, Eric Gilbert uh, Alabama Clemson Georgia Tennessee all in it for the six foot five 251 pound tight end and uh, he seems to have his uh, options wide wide open at this point yeah we've talked about him a lot and I'll just briefly go over it did the full scouting report before we won't do that again but you know, he's six five 251 and this guy is a big-time athletic talent. He's a mismatch guy. I think he could play on the defensive side and do something there. I think he could be just a big-time early-impact talent. He definitely is a blue-grade player, which maybe, you know, another word would be five-star. He's he's that good. They've been a, Everybody's been interested. But the purpose of this recruiting report having him is he's cut down here in the last 24, 48 hours his list of schools. He had Oklahoma. He had LSU. He had Auburn. He had A&M. He had Penn State and USC on the list. But it's going to come down, he says, to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Tennessee. So we'll watch that. He's a special talent, obviously one of the few remaining 
uh, five-star 2020 class guys that are uncommitted. So we'll see where Eric Gilbert goes. Um, gosh, I know you always love me to say, hey, where is he going to go? I, you, you know, I am never comfortable talking about what a kid wants to do because they change from 8 o'clock to the morning to noon and to 8 o'clock at night. But, you know, it, it seems like there's a reason why he's mentioned, um, you know, the four schools. And I, I would probably say that just based upon, um, you know, Alabama, Georgia, uh, probably is, is uh, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia is probably going to come down to that. I think Tennessee's the fourth on the list, but not by much. I think that uh, all four schools have a really legitimate shot. Yeah. Anytime Alabama's on the list, uh, and and I don't know what the kids really thinking. I lean towards Alabama, <laughs> but that, maybe we'll see. It, if that's it, correct it, or not. Except I think we could <laughs> say the same thing about Clemson now. And, that's and true. Listen, you know, let's not the you know Georgia is right there. That's why I said it. I mean, Tennessee's the one that, okay, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. What, what does that resonate? That That's okay. We know Alabama, Clemson, two best programs in the country right now. Georgia is the best program that's not named Alabama, Clemson. Tennessee's kind of the one that doesn't fit. They're an up and comer. So I don't rule them out, but I would say that would be, I would, I would say that it would be an upset if Tennessee outranks those other three for for Mr. Gilbert. That's just my thought. We'll see. Coming up, it'll be a scouting spotlight and also the mailbag. What happened to Alabama at the end of last year? We'll get into that. More on your Locked On SEC Football podcast. He's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. Don't forget, great shirts at Twillery. Go to Twillery.com. Use the locked on promo code. Get $25 off some high, high quality shirts. You bundle them together. There's affordable as $55 a shirt. Then you get the $25 off. You got four awesome stylish shirts for less than 200 bucks. Free shipping, free returns. Check it out. Twillery.com. That's Twillery. Com. Scouting Spotlight, the best wide receiver production on third down last year in the SEC goes to? Well, um, you know, it, 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 to me, the guy that was the most productive was Vanderbilt senior Kalija Lipscomb. Um, and, and here's what I try to do with receivers. You know, everybody kind of looks at them. In fact, I don't call them wide receivers because a wide receiver is different than a receiver because now you have, in today's offensive systems, you have wide receivers who are out wide. You have slot receivers. Uh, you have big slots, small slots. You have Y flex, which are really tight ends that are flexed out. And, you know, obviously you got flankers. you got split ends, which are out wide. But, you know, I look at different things. I look at the... Uh, number of routes on the route tree that they can run, run effectively. Obviously, uh, you break them down in different areas. But I always like to break down in specifics in looking at film, who's really productive on money downs. And the money down is third down. And the guy at Lipscomb has done the best job on third and fourth downs. We throw fourth down in the mix, too. Um, he's really good. Uh, he's slightly ahead of Jerry Judy. Now, Jerry Judy's a better receiver. In fact, he's a much better receiver than Lipscomb in the all-around area. 
but just in the third down efficiency. Uh, and again, factor that into who they play and whatnot. But in the conference, um, those two rank the best. But Kentucky's Lynn Bowden, Tennessee's Marcus Callaway, and South Carolina's Shai Smith also were very, very good in third down and fourth down productivity. Uh, productivity. Um, you know, if, if you look at Lipscomb, what made him maybe slightly a little bit better in this category was six of his nine touchdowns were on third or fourth down. So in addition to being very effective in third or fourth down, he was the most effective in the red zone in third or fourth down. Now, there's a byproduct of that, too. So keep in mind the numbers of catching more red zone touchdowns. That's great. Uh, and he deserves a lot of credit for it. It is not to indicate that others are not as good at it in those situations because other teams have a little bit more consistent running game to where you may not get as many chances if you're Jerry Judy. But I think he's really good, and it's a great uh, it's a great uh, opportunity to recognize someone that may not be on the radar of a lot of fans, um, SEC fans, but Kalijah Lipscomb is going to be a guy that is going to make some plays and you're going to hear about when you're watching games or watching highlights. And uh, Riley Neal, the transfer quarterback, is certainly going to know who he is. Let's go to the mailbag questions from you that you can send to uh, Landry Football on Twitter, at Landry Football, or me, at the Dave Hooker. You, you kind of foreshadowed this earlier. Alabama wasn't physical enough at the end of last season uh, when they lost the national championship game. So they want to get more physical, but can you do that in one offseason? Yeah, you can. And, and the biggest problem was not that they don't have physical players. You know, everyone gets – what do they say? Chicks dig the long ball in baseball? They well, do. you know, everybody loves you. No, everybody um, loves the pass play the big touchdowns, the highlight play. That, that's what people like in this, you know, highlight world, sports center age, fantasy football world that we live in. That's what people like. And let me tell you what is the most uh, compelling for football people. Let me tell you what's most debilitating for an opponent is physically dominating at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Alabama got into a little bit more RPO centric last year. And, you know, everyone was enamored with, you know, 52 to 10 scores. And, oh, man, there, look at this. They're big, bad Alabama. Now they're scoring all these points. Who's going to touch them, right? Folks, it's, it's an attitude. It's how you play. And there is a reason why teams that throw it all the time are not as physical. And, because there's a completely different environment at the line of scrimmage. When you run block, you're coming out of a three-point stance, and you're rolling your hips, and you're physically manning up. I'm getting excited here, Dave. You're physically manning <laughs> up and moving a guy against his will. And it is, it is combat. It is football combat. It is, uh, it is physicality. It is strength. It is technique. It is leverage. It's like a wrestling game with the 
you know, inability of being able to do some of the things you can do, grab a guy around the neck and whatnot. But that is, that's, that creates an attitude and a physicality. And it does make defenses have to physically play against that run, and it tends to wear them down. When you're pass blocking, what are you doing? You're setting. You're retreating. You're getting in position to deliver a hand punch and slide and recoil to stay frontal against a defender. The very nature is, think about a boxing match. If you were to equate it blocking to a boxing match, um, pass blocking is like going into the corner and putting your fists up, protecting your body so that you can get out of the round to the bell and, 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 and recover and get back in for the next round. Run blocking is like sprinting out of the corner and attacking your opponent with a waylay of punches left and right. That's the difference. Well, so what, what am I really saying with this? That Alabama got a little bit too finesse in the pass game, and they scored a ton of points. Um, this might make people scratch their head, but when you score a quick touchdown on a defense, their reaction is, we gave up a big play, Let's go, particularly if you got a good offensive team that you're playing, let's go get back and let's get that touchdown back. And when you do that and you play in a faster pace and you're throwing it more and you're scoring quicker, what's happening? Your defense, your, your own defense is having to play more snaps. But what happens when you do that? Well, A, one is common sense. The more plays you're on defense, the greater that opposing team has a chance to score points. Two, the more plays you're on in the course of a game, you get worn down. You are not the same, even if you're the best defense in the history of football ever at any level. If you're on the field for 60 snaps, you're going to be completely different than if you're on the field for 90 snaps. So let me put this in perspective. You got the greatest defense ever. It's deep, it's strong, it's pretty, it's dominant, it's physical. You got another defense. So let's just call it an A defense. They they the A, A plus defense. They're on the field for 90 snaps. That A plus defense will not be as good as the B plus defense that's on the field for 65 snaps because they're fresher. And that is a huge difference. So if you look at Alabama and one of the reasons why Clemson has had success, the pass, well, if you look at the two national championships, they played three times for the national championship and Clemson's now won twice. In both cases, Clemson was able to play the game at their own tempo and even in the game that, that Alabama won against Clemson, the national championship, it was at Clemson's pace. And Alabama had to win with uh, an onside kick, big play return. It was, by and large, a game that I know that Nick Saban feels like he stole, that he was outplayed. So there is something to be looked at that, for example, Clemson against Alabama 
has been more Clemson style, Clemson's pace. And if you're Alabama and college football, the elites of college football, which is Alabama, which is Clemson right now, um, at the very top, you're going to have superior talent. You're going to beat most teams. But against one another, there's going to be some vulnerabilities. And with that, you've got to play to your strength. You've got to do what you do best. And winning a game 52 to 10, where you're scoring that many points, but your defense is on the field for 80 snaps, is not as good over the long haul of a season as if you're beating teams, I don't know, 34 to 13 or 34 to 17. The, the fan will look and say, and the media will look and say, oh, no, 52 10 is much more impressive. Yeah, you're looking at the score. If you're looking at the film and you're studying it, that maybe that 34 13 game, if it comes about with long, sustained drives, you know, six minute drives, that's what kills you. I just said, when you're a defense and you get scored on quickly, you want to get back, you know, get your offense on the field, score again. When you're a defense and you just had seven points scored upon you on a six-and-a-half-minute drive, nothing takes a defense to the sidelines with their tail between their legs more than that. That is seven points, but that's like delivering on the knockout punch or a series of jabs that will lead to the eventual knockout point. So appreciate the patience with the analogies, but that's where I think Alabama's kind of lost their way. And when Saban says we need to get back to the Alabama way, yeah, he's talking in a general sense about, you know, paying attention to details, having everybody buying in, having a sense of being humble and hungry. But he's also talking specifically about, yeah, we want two at a score. We want to make big plays in the passing game, but we need to go with the check down a little bit more. We need to sustain drives a little bit more so that our defense can become great again. Because even that great defense that Alabama had, let's go back to the Deshaun Watson-Clemson game in which they beat Alabama. What happened in that game? Oh, that defense let Alabama down. No, the defense didn't let Alabama down. The defense was a historically great defense that doesn't have a national title to it because it played 99 snaps, Dave. They worked that great defense at that last drive. Deshaun Watson was was running a seven-on-seven drill, basically. Right. I mean, there was no pass rush. How the hell are you going to have a pass rush? Your legs are dead. Something to understand and consider from a pure football standpoint that I think is really key. And that is what has really happened in a nutshell, to Alabama overall. And and by the way, we're talking about a team that made it to the national championship, that won every game except its last. It's not like they're doing it wrong. But from Nick Saban's standpoint, he's looking at it and saying, this is what we need to do more right, if you will. We don't want to put a handcuff and sit on the football and not throw the football. Of course, when people overplay the run, it's going to make the passing game even better. But let's wear teams out. He likes to use the phrase, wear their, you know, we'll say butt out. 
That's what he <laughs> likes to say. But that's what they need to do a little bit more. And that's what they've got to get back to. And that's what, quite frankly, they didn't do. And a lot of those loose ends, when they got behind in games, they made mistakes that they got away with against other teams. The second half against Oklahoma, it started to leak oil a little bit. Then they go up against Clemson, a much better team, with a really good quarterback. They score points early, and all of a sudden Alabama can't match it. Well, guess what? We're line up and run the football and be physical, by God. Well, guess what? You don't really do that anymore, do you? Because you're not – it's not what you've done all year. And, And you just don't snap your finger and turn the switch on, and it happens. It is a byproduct of how you teach it and preach it. And that, folks, is what really happened to Alabama. I'm guessing you're not a big Floyd Mayweather fan. That would be Well, no, no, I, I, I am. I am. Because Floyd, he dances, but he delivers his shot. So True. That's fine. You know, you know, all guys have to, you know, they're, they're, the, you don't need to be Mike Tyson and, and knock a guy out in the first round. But you can deliver your point. And, and to me, that's what you do in football is, man, I like, here's what I like most of all in, is offensive football. It's an op, it's offensive football guy. Here's what I like to do. I like to be able to dictate to a defense. I don't want, hey, defense gives you something. That's fine. I'm going to take what the defense gives you, but I'm also going to dictate if I'm the better team. And so what I want to do ultimately, if I can get a lead, and then with a lead, run the football and wear you out to the point where you got to overplay the run. So now I'm running it, and I'm running it, and I'm running it, and I'm running it, and I'm wearing you down. That defense, they can't rush the passer, can they? And now they're putting an extra guy in the box, aren't they? And they're cheating a guy up to put maybe a ninth guy in the box. Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to run play action one-on-one with my receivers that are superior to yours. They're bigger, stronger, faster. And you can't rush the passer because your legs are dead because you've just defended the run, you know, for three and a half minutes on this drive. Now I got a quick, now I got a, you know, quick score after the three, four minutes. I've worn you out. I've got another touchdown. That's where you just get an opposing defense on skates. When you try to attack strictly always with the pass, there is no physical. You can only win that way. There is no physicality. And when you need to call upon it, like maybe in a playoff game or a championship game, you can't call upon it. You don't have it. You know, it's kind of like the lob shot in golf. That's great. You can pull out the lob wedge. Everybody has them. Did you practice it? Have you spent hours upon hours doing it? You get up there and you realize, eh, I'm probably just going to hit a pitch and run because it's just not going to work. You know, so the point is, is you got to have that that tool in your toolbox. And the only way you do it is if you do it over a sustained period. There you go. That's your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, everyone.